This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Hey, I'm Baratunde Thurston, and this is How to Citizen with Baratunde. In season two, we're talking about the money. Because to be real, it's hard to citizen when we can barely pay the bills. When I grew up in D.C. in the 1980s, it was known as Chocolate City because it was that black. Then I left D.C. in the mid-90s. I went off to Boston for college, lived there 12 years. New York after that, mostly Brooklyn, another 12 years. And in every one of these places, the neighborhoods I lived in, the ones that felt so much like my childhood neighborhood, there was something changing. I couldn't put my finger on it until I revisited my hometown, my home block. 
and Chocolate City didn't feel so chocolatey anymore. Had more of a caramel flavor. My mother had to sell our home before we fully left D.C. Not because she really wanted to, not because we couldn't afford the payments, but because it was just too dangerous. This was the peak of the crack wars, and she was worried about the safety of her baby for good reason. So when I went back to look at our family home, my childhood home, we weren't there. The residents were a nice white couple from Iowa. Sometimes I torture myself to this day looking up the real estate value of that childhood home and seeing how much wealth is not in my family. And it creates a little bit of a conflict in me because I've been a part of that change in so many neighborhoods. I've been the new money coming in. And to be honest, I like some of the new stuff. I am a sucker for an overpriced cocktail from the School of Mixology. I love fancy coffee. More foam, more happy baratunde. That's my jam. But I'm also troubled by the idea that new folks coming into a culturally rich environment are part of the destruction of that very culture. That all this nice new stuff is not for the people who held it down for so long in their neighborhoods. And that's not right. We've got to have a different way of letting people own their community, determine that future, and have the benefits for themselves. I believe we can improve neighborhoods for the people already there. And I know someone who has an idea of how to do it, who believes that nice things, including good coffee, shouldn't mean displacing long-term residents because it's all about ownership. And she's at the epicenter of gentrification in the U.S., Oakland, California. You ask how Oakland could get into the condition it's in now? No one has had a moment to stop and build a future for themselves. You better believe these hedge funds have 100- and 500-year plans for themselves. After the break, my conversation with third-generation West Oaklander, Noni Session. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries. Well, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claim for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors, so you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. Oh, let me fix my hair. Oh, your hair looks great. Come on now. <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the messy afro is a look, but it's very messy. So I have to work on that. <laughs> <laughs> you just tell people. Noni Session is the executive director of the East Bay Permanent Real Estate Cooperative. E.B. Preck fights gentrification in West Oakland by buying up real estate in historically black and brown communities and then collectively owning and managing those properties within the community. Um, All right. So can you introduce yourself? Say your name and what it is you do. My name is Noni Session. Um, I am an accidental community-led movement builder, real estate developer, and impact investment galvanizer when in my actual uh, professional training. I'm trained as a cultural anthropologist who stumbled into grassroots organizing. And here we are today. Okay. Wow. We are clearly going to go on a journey with you, Noni, because that was a lot of nouns. You know, we got organizer, galvanizer, developer, anthropologist. Woo. Woo. Okay. Why do you use the word accidental to describe so many of your jobs? Well, I'm essentially just this little kid from West Oakland who um, was raised on Sesame Street and nature TV shows and uh, read lots of sci-fi before it was cool to read sci-fi. 
And then I majored in Black Studies and Cultural Anthropology, and then did my doctoral work at Cornell in Nairobi on the United Nations Development Program. And um, when I came home after 10 years away for grad school, uh, the city was just crazy. West Oakland has been a hot spot for local artists and musicians. But Jessica Flores shows us as gentrification transforms the neighborhood, the people who have long called it home are getting pushed out. High rents not only forced out families, but mom and pop shops. He and his companies have issued at least 3,000 eviction notices. Prostitution, crime, poverty. The illegal dumping, the homelessness, we're like second class citizens here. And it was quite accidental because uh, it started with me just volunteering because I wanted to meet some people, you know, and talk about really interesting things I had learned in grad school. And 10 years later, it's culminated in this work that is actually shocks me every day when I wake up. It's, it's, it's quite powerful for me to be involved in it. So where do you live now? I live in West Oakland. I actually live in the house that I was raised in. I'm speaking to you from there right now, which is radically unusual given the um, extreme and accelerated racialized displacement that's taken place in my city and cities like it. So I'm pretty proud of that. Accelerated racialized displacement. Yes, indeed. Can you define that term, please? We've lost over 50% of Oakland's Black and legacy population in the last 10 years. With a boom in our population, the ratio of people of color has dropped to such an extreme degree that you can't help but call it racialized displacement. Wow. Your family has been in West Oakland for how many generations? My grandparents migrated here in the early 1940s. So my grandparents, my cousins, my aunts, my uncles, my dad, my, my mom, my sisters, my brothers. And then I have another generation after me as I was a teenage mother. So I now have a very, very, very adult daughter living her life here as well. <laughs> so what does it mean to you to have so many generations from your family be based in West Oakland? I think prior to this 10-year arc, it didn't mean a lot. I did not understand the privilege of being grounded in a place for generations. And when I compare myself to my counterparts who've moved a lot or who have had to live squarely in white-dominated situations, I realized it was almost as if I was raised in a royal or cloistered or elite situation where my identity was reinforced on a daily basis. We were well-known. Our life was stable and predictable. And it, it really gives you this grounding to both claim and imagine a future for yourself that I think a lot of people around me haven't had the privilege to capture in their life trajectory. You use the word wealth to describe what your family gave you. And I suspect you don't mean buried chests of gold or stock <laughs> certificates. How do you define this wealth that your family left for you in West Oakland? Um, I think I define it as identity, right? As a well from which I can gather new creative material. I think that it really drives a lot of the underlying mission and political philosophy of my work now. 
in that that is the definition of culture. And Black Americans, as one of the clear landless people on this planet, it's one reason that we've had such complications with getting a foothold here and that we don't have a firm place to retire ourselves to, to define and build for the next generation. We are in a constant state of rebuilding, not just generation to generation. I mean, day to day, month to month, year to year. So that is really the definition of wealth. Can you describe your West Oakland? What does it look like? What does it smell like? Who's in it? Lots of oak trees and big, wide, empty streets. You know, I think as a kid and as Black Americans, we still thought we were living in a place that would show up for us and rescue us. So despite Oakland being an empty, washed-out city, we at least were left alone to our um, class identities and our daily goings-on. My parents were small business owners. My mother ran a boarding care home for developmentally disabled adults. And so I was really safe on the same streets that most people were not safe on. Nobody bothered this little Black kid. I would go to bookstores and hang out for hours. I would go to West Oakland Public Library to that like quiet, warm, muted space and lay on the floor and read book after book and then skip down these wide, empty, silent boulevards. It was uh, open space for me. It was a super quiet, safe space. And describe your West Oakland today. Oh, my poor baby. You could call this stretch of road Homeless Lane. It's an encampment that has grown so large, you can see it's spilling out onto the roadway. There are hundreds of similar tent cities across Silicon Valley, all within a few miles of the world's most profitable tech companies. All of those wide open boulevards, they're stacked neck high with tents and lots of discarded, hoarded goods. But it's sporadic. Right. If you don't know West Oakland, Google, with its racialized and classed algorithms, will direct you right around those hot spots of neglect. The funny thing is, the boulevards are still wide open. The skies are still huge. So there's still this hopefulness um, while we stand next to stark poverty. How do you explain the change in the West Oakland of your youth? Versus your description of the West Oakland of today. What happened? You know, it was, it was a ghost town when I was growing up because it was in the middle of, of the Reagan years and benign neglect. For decades, we have piled deficit upon deficit, mortgaging our future and our children's future for the temporary convenience of the present. What is, what is benign neglect? That was an economic policy of the Reagan years. That was when you started to see a lot of money and resources pulled out of urban cities. And that is really what accelerated urban decline and the, the loss of value in urban communities, which could then be preyed on by speculators, right? Um, folks had a plan for Oakland that most of us were not privy to. It's a hot market. And um, there's very little care and forethought in planning for lives that have been led here for generations. So Mm. it's a fearful, insecure place under the surface of these bright white boulevards. What's a hot market? What does that mean? That means that after I watched my neighbors across the street be removed by the sheriff, the house with two tiny eight-by-eight bedrooms, the house immediately sold for $1.4 million. Yeah. That's a hot market. So what's, what's your 
home ownership situation? Are you renting? Are you owning in this home that you're living in yourself? Well, interesting enough, in the subprime lending of the late 80s and early 90s, my mother also lost this house. My amazing maternal uncle bought it to keep it from going back on the speculative market. And we paid all the expenses, but he maintained it as the owner of record until someone could get another mortgage. And that has just been recently me. And I closed escrow on my childhood home September 3rd of uh, 2020. The whole family breathed a sigh of relief. I'm breathing it for you. I can feel the stability under your feet. What do you mean when you say speculative market? You were able to keep your family home out of the speculative market. Well, you know, we're currently living under a financial regime that's been in development for a long time, but is really accelerated in that everything around you is a commodity. The air you breathe, the water you drink. And so how currency is currently traded is on a speculative basis of its future value. It is a gamble or a bet on the future price of a commodity item. It's actually meant to drive up the value. It's the artificial creation of scarcity in order to create excess capital. And so when you speculate on housing, you're buying something, you're holding it in reserve from the market, right? Meaning you're keeping housing away from people, often empty, and wait for the rise in its value to create excess profit for yourself. And through that speculation, you're raising the cost and making it inaccessible. Um, it sounds to me like what's happened in your area, uh, and it's not limited to West Oakland, for sure. I'm from D.C. I used to live in Brooklyn, Boston, like everywhere you look in many parts of the world. Housing is not being treated as a place for people to live, but rather as a place for people to park their money and make the money grow. You know, raising money rather than kids inside of these homes. Uh, is that is that a fair rephrasing of what you just said? Yes, you could you could name them Brett and Chad, and it would really be reflective of what's going on. Right now. <laughs> so, so what is the impact on people when housing is withheld from the market for those who want to live in it to those who want to profit from the value of the increasing you know financial worth of that housing? Well, I mean, you've circled us back around to accelerated racialized displacement because not only does speculation become this increasingly tight loop of accelerating the cost of land and housing, but it means that a very specific class and group of people are not only going to be pushed out of their current housing and access to future housing, they then have to lay on the sidewalk as they watch that housing be either held in reserve or in some manner developed for new populations that are the demand of the current labor market, which focuses in on tech. So as 7,000 people scrape and scrabble for a living, they watch new folks have $50 brunches right outside of where their children used to play and eat their meals. Hmm. What's the landscape of affordable housing right now in Oakland? What is the landscape of affordable housing? Well, it's the I it eats me inside out when people use the language of affordable housing. Tell me why you mad. Let's go. 
As of 2017, the average Black Oaklander's salary was $36,000. That same year, the average white Oaklander's salary is $80,000. Almost all affordable housing as it exists right now is not for the very folks who are rent burdened or on the actual sidewalk sleeping every night. And those affordable housing developers who are trying to produce affordable housing that serves those at that median income of $36,000 are finding that they are hogtied in terms of leveraging state and federal subsidies and bond money. And so all of that capital that comes from state, federal money bonds still gets cloistered among those who are not from the very populations affected by rent burden and rent blight. It's a game. It's a game. It's a game. It's a shell game, if you will. My understanding of shell game is there's some trickery involved that you're covering up the fact that something's not really under those shells. There's some deception afoot. So bring me to the moment because I can, I can feel the energy. You, you got me all fired up. I'm like, yo, they're not telling this story the right way, but it's emotional. This has had significant impacts on people's lives and their ability to live. And you took some steps to end that game. So what does the East Bay Permanent Real Estate Cooperative do around housing? The East Bay Permanent Real Estate Cooperative is a democratically led, people of color, multi-stakeholder cooperative that supports Black, Brown, and Indigenous Oaklanders in collectively organizing, financing, stewarding long-term land and housing in Oakland in the East Bay. Although we are not an affordable housing developer, we develop permanent and affordable land and housing for people to live in, dip back into generation after generation. And through our bylaws, we restrict ourselves from ever selling it or using it exploitatively. So there's a guarantee of permanence and a future for people who invest in our vision. So you have created a different way for people in a community to own land and buildings and housing in their community. And the result is what? What's different? The result is the rebuilding of a community. What is happening in Oakland and cities like it is unchecked speculation, where the city is allowing folks who actually don't understand community development to stick buildings in arbitrary open spaces and then sell off the fractions to people who are unconnected to the outcome of the place in which they buy the item, the idea even. And so there is a weird disconnection between where and how you build what and who and what it's built for. After the break, what happens when instead of a corporate developer owning the real estate in the community, it's owned by the people? What actually changes? Hi. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now wherever you're listening. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries. Well, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claim for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors, so you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. Hi, I'm Noni. And I'm Greg. We're part of EB Prec, the, the East Bay, Bay Permanent Real Estate, Real Estate Cooperative. Cooperative. 
First, we get local residents, you, me, Greg, your mom, your neighbor, to invest $1,000 a piece into our collective fund. With a lot of people, that's a lot of money. Then EB Preck uses that money to buy up properties in Oakland and the East Bay. We've already picked out properties where long-term tenants are in danger of being pushed out. And once we buy the property, the people who already live and work there get to stay. I think I understand how your approach is different. It is grounded in the community. It is collective with the community. The ownership sounds like it's distributed among the community, not just in the single hand of one rich corporation or maybe even one very wealthy individual, as is the case with many a building. Why did you choose the co-op model, not the nonprofit model for this land and housing need? Well, well, there's a couple of reasons. One is sort of a core underlying philosophical and political reason. Folks like W.E.B. Du Bois, Fannie Lou Hamer. We just thought, you know, if we had land to grow some stuff on, then it would be a help to us. Because, you know, they were not civil rights activists first and then co-opers. They were co-opers first and then became civil rights activists. So we founded Freedom Farms uh, in 1969. The plan of the thing is that it can grow to produce enough that people just won't know what hunger is. From the day the change dropped off of us after emancipation, we knew that cooperative and collective economics were our answer. On the North Carolina coast, we had over 100 hectares of cooperative land for which over the next hundred years, we were judicially and extrajudicially dispossessed of that land. But we've always known the solution. And what I try to communicate to people is that we work on this sort of individualistic rhetoric. But even if you look at hedge funds, you look at speculative development, those are collectives of people combining their economic and political power to create an outcome. So that's number one. Collective economics is the way of the world. Just those of us who are on the ground scrabbling don't understand that. That's an important point because I think a lot of folks here, collective economics, cooperative economics, that's communist, Maoist, socialist, leftist. But a corporation is a collection of people's interests aligned, boards of directors, shareholders. So we're all operating as a part of some collective, whether we name it that or not. Exactly, exactly. So tell me what it looks like on the ground. What have you accomplished? What, what have you done? So we're very new and we have a grand vision. So right now we're the owners of two land and housing acquisitions. So our first is a multi-unit building that has teachers and lawyers and activists and gardeners who live there. Wait, multiple gardeners? You have multiple gardeners? Gardeners, yeah, yeah. We're in Oakland. Like, urban gardening is the deal right now. <laughs> Don't play. Um, and they're very busy, active people. One of them is the founder of Community Democracy Project, which is working to change the city charter in Oakland so that Oaklanders can participate in defining the city budget. Another is a founder of the first people of color cooperative coffee roaster in Berkeley, right? These are folks who are working in and for our community. And now they pay rent at about 820 bucks when most people are paying 1500 to 2600 for the same square footage. 
Our second acquisition is a single-family home in Berkeley, California, that has a detached dance studio. And there we're housing two Black women artists, one who's formerly homeless with a daughter. And the interview was really about their vision as opposed to them being able to pass a credit check and show us that they hadn't been a victim of other predatory housing situations, which often result in evictions, right? And in addition, those two women who are now living in this amazing, beautiful shingled house in Berkeley, they are now launching a business out of the dance studio for an additional stream of income because they are active members of the arts community, right? This is transforming people's futures. And so our current acquisition, and this is this is our biggest one yet, and we're we're really going out on a limb to really show the proof of concept for this model. It's on Historic 7th Street, which has been the the heart of the gutting of Oakland. And so we're taking this historic corridor that used to be called the Harlem of the West, right? Some of the greatest acts in Black history, and it was a bustling Black business district. It's been a ghost town for 30 years, and people have tried over and over again to restart that corridor. And so we're acquiring Esther's Orbit Room Jazz and Supper Club, and we're creating three footprints of commercial ground floor space for a co-op where one part is intended to be a performance venue and a bar. The middle part is a cafe and coffee shop where the young can come do spoken word and open mic and open jam. And the far right space is a fine arts and movement arts gallery. Above it, there are three units of cooperative co-housing where we will be grounding Black arts housing cooperatives in to start to ground the community back into the actual physical space of the street. Um, We have a back parking lot that's part of this acquisition and really wide, like a seven foot wide sidewalks. We're going to be grounding the Freedom Farmers Market, which is a black farmers market that's been displaced again and again over the last like nine years. So Esther's Orbit Room Cultural Revival Project is the first acquisition among many for what we have named the 7th Street Cooperative Cultural Corridor Revitalization Plan. It is a site-specific plan that thinks about the people and the places that exist for which you build the thing, the commodity object. You described people who are living in these cooperatively owned units as resident owners. Why is ownership important to them uh, and to you and to West Oakland? I mean, in the most literal sense, Land is the ground upon which we define our past and our future. Without land, without permanence, the past and the future go up in smoke. They disappear. There's nothing to connect you from before. and There's, there's very little to ground you to after. So ownership, permanence is critical for culture building, identity building, the building of futures. You ask how Oakland could get into the condition it's in now? No one has had a moment to stop and build a future for themselves. You better believe these hedge funds have 100 and 500 year plans for themselves. How long out do you think the arc is for Black Oaklanders plan for themselves? So this is a model for how to cement ourselves as citizens structurally. Identity-wise, we are here. We are part. 
But in terms of having to pick up our bags and move every generation, that is the key to this nation continuing to deny our right to the benefits of citizenship. And it's a losing battle, actually, because if you actually look across nationwide, it's not just Black communities that are being eaten alive by this impermanence. We took a Southern trip a couple of years ago when we were really ideating and building out this project. And we looked at Midwest cities. We looked at Southern cities. There are ghost towns, Baratunde. No one is thinking about this widening gap of impermanence and, and corporate ownership of people's homes, of their histories, of their stories, of their cultures. So this is a model for folks who want to use their money in a more ethical manner to divest from extractive industries, to invest in models that can assure them their modest return. Our return is only 1.5%, right? But it's enough to build hope and a future for people. You shared a bit about what it felt like to reclaim your family home. For a member of the West Oakland community, how do they respond with this new possibility from being unable to afford any living in the community they grew up in to now having a chance to own and define the future of that community they know and love? I, I think there are stages to it, if you think of like the stages of, of grief or healing. So the first response for the most underserved is kind of like disbelief, right? Like you've, you've heard it before. So many organizations, so many nonprofits coming through, doing a focus group, putting butcher paper on the walls and like saying like, we want your ideas. We're here to support you. And you really never hear from them again. Or maybe you see them sort of in the distance supporting someone who's not you and probably not as brown as you. And then the next stage when they see that we're actually doing the things we say we're doing is hope and excitement and investment. And then the next stage is kind of a stage of dismay because the arc of a real estate project is a long, gritty arc. And it's slow. And we're moving into the next stage where we're starting to be able to share why this thing takes so long, why it's taken us four years to get to the place where we can have the capacity to raise $50 million of non-extractive capital. And so all of the emotions are there because all of us want to stay here. Well, that leads me to, you know, this is not a, a problem unique to West Oakland. Are you in conversations with people in other cities? Is there a way for them to pick up this model and work on it themselves? What is the plan? Absolutely. We have um, so far shared in great detail with probably 15 to 30 nascent organizations um, nationwide, two or three international. So, for example, an organization called Brick by Brick in Quebec um, the year before last that really hit a wall and they flew me out there and I spent a week with them and sort of like took the project apart. And now they're launching their first project in partnership with the, the city of Montreal. You're very busy. A lot of cities depending on you to save them, including the one you are a part of. However, I got to ask you this. How do you define what a citizen is? A citizen is one who takes ownership and responsibility over their space. But I think a better way to define citizen is how the Quakers define citizen. The Quakers are friends. We're a friend 
to everyone. We're a friend to our neighbors. We're a friend to our enemies. <laughs> We're a friend to our land. Collective care over a joint space. Pick up trash on your street and be nice to the old lady on the bus. You gotta be nice to the old lady on the bus. I mean, who's being mean to the old lady on the bus? You gotta be. Um, this has been so wonderful. Thank you, Noni. I appreciate it so much. What's exciting about this to me is that I've seen what the world looks like when we let money take over our neighborhoods. It looks like abandoned apartment buildings that are old and crumbling or empty and abandoned apartment buildings that are new and unaffordable to anyone. Or it just looks like the same strip mall everywhere or the same furniture shop everywhere, the same yogurt stand everywhere. That's not culture. That's financially rich, but culturally poor. And I'm excited for our neighborhoods to feel different again, to be rooted not just in money, but in people again. I want to live in this world where we can preserve the culture of a community and have it be owned by the people who've lived in that community. So how do we protect that and make sure that the wealth built there benefits the many and doesn't just fall into a few hands or a few corporations. Next week, I'm talking to someone who's doing just that, protecting our communities from big business. And she's taking on perhaps the biggest business of them all. We're going to have a real fight on our hands as citizens about whether we live in a country that we control, that we set the rules for, or a country where Amazon decides how our economy works. Next week, my interview with Stacy Mitchell. And now, our apprentice Sam with some actions you can do. Where for you is home? Take a moment to reflect on where you live. How did you end up there? Was it based on real estate speculation, rental prices, family history, relationship ties, or something else? Really consider the role privilege has played in determining your place of residence. Learn more about gentrification. Gentrification is a buzzword, but there's a lot more to it. To learn more, check out the podcast, There Goes the Neighborhood. Watch the documentary, City Rising. Or read the book, The Color of Law. Lastly, invest in communities, not commodities. Check out ebprec.org. That's E-B-P-R-E-C dot org to find out ways you can invest in community-based real estate or start this model where you live. If you're in the Oakland area, you could join the cooperative and become a community owner for just $10 a month. Or if you want to make a non-extractive but savvy real estate investment, you could also invest in one of EB Prex projects. And we know there are more new models like this emerging to deal with our housing and ownership crisis so if you know any other groups, let us know. Email us at comments at howtocitizen.com. If you take any of these actions, please brag about yourself online using the hashtag howtocitizen. Visit howtocitizen.com to sign up for our newsletter or learn about upcoming events or even more stuff than that. And if you like the show, spread the word. Tell somebody. If you don't, definitely just keep it to yourself. Appreciate you. 
How to Citizen with Baratunde is a production of iHeartRadio Podcasts and Dustlight Productions. Our executive producers are me, Baratunde Thurston, Elizabeth Stewart, and Misha Youssef. Our producers are Stephanie Cohn and Ali Kiltz. Kelly Prime is our editor. Valentino Rivera is our engineer. And Sam Paulson is our apprentice. Original music by Andrew Epen. This episode was produced and sound designed by Stephanie Cohn. Special thanks to Joelle Smith from iHeartRadio. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought... In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.